1: Hey there, welcome back. This is episode 24 and we are going to continue our support of our paraprofessionals with another guest. Before we get started, just a quick reminder, if you haven't already done it, make sure you go take the What's Your Special Educator Superpower Quiz. It takes about a minute of your time and gives you affirmation of the things you do well as a teacher and the blind spots that are holding you up from becoming the teacher you always dreamed you'd be. I love it that some of the teachers who have taken it already have said that the information was spot on for them and they gained some insight into their own strengths and weaknesses. Go to www.spedprepacademy.com quiz to find out your superpower today. Working with paraprofessionals can be one of the best and hardest things about being a special education teacher. And that's why I use the SPED Prep Academy platform to focus on it so much. It can be particularly hard when you are a newer teacher and working in a classroom that has experienced paraprofessionals. It can feel weird to give a para instructions, directions, and guidance if the para has more classroom experience than you, or if the para is significantly older than you. I know growing up, I was always taught to respect my elders and to see them as more knowledgeable than I am because they have so many more life experiences. And so when you come into a school system as a brand new teacher and you inherit the staff that worked for the teacher before you, it's highly likely that you're going to be at a crossroads with respecting their experience and wanting them to respect you as their supervisor. Today's guest is Becca Noble. We used to be colleagues within the same district, and we've kept in touch through the SPED Prep Academy. She is a big cheerleader of mine and wants to see this community grow and help other special educators get the support they need. So let's hear from Becca. Hey there, Becca. Welcome to the SPED Prep Academy podcast. Hey, it's good to be here. Well, thank you for being willing to share your knowledge of managing paraprofessionals with my listeners. But Before we get started, would you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do?
0: Yeah, I um, am Becca Noble. I teach in Oklahoma. This is my eighth year of teaching elementary special ed. Um, So right now I teach pre-K through sixth grade. Um, And I've taught all the way up to eighth grade, which wasn't my favorite, but it is what it is.
1: And how many paraprofessionals do you currently supervise? Currently, I have three. So this topic came up within the SPED Prep Academy private Facebook group. Um, You are a part of the community and you're always willing to give advice and support to others. The other day, another member asked for advice for working with paraprofessionals who had been working as a para longer than they had been alive. I know that you came from a similar situation during your first year of teaching, so can you tell us a little bit about that experience? I
0: did. Um, the first year that I taught, I worked for an educational cooperative that um, supplied teachers in paras to many districts, and it was a very tiny school, and the paras that were there when I got there had been there, I think, three years, five years, and one had been there for 14 years, so not longer than I'd been alive. but they knew the district and the community really well. And then the teacher that I replaced, she had been let go due to IEPs being out of compliance. So that was kind of a sticky situation. And the paras were friends with her. Um, And so they had just kind of been doing what they wanted to do as far as their daily schedule or like their duties throughout the day. So then when I came in, I was 24, I was fresh out of college. I just, it wasn't received well. They just saw me as very green and anything that I wanted to, I guess, change with students, they thought, well, I've been here for much longer and they just didn't receive
1: it very well. That's a, that's a difficult thing to come in brand new. And I know that I was never trained to work with paraprofessionals in college. Were you?
0: No, I wasn't trained in college. They didn't really talk about that. I did get training after I already had the job. And so I took whatever I learned from there. But I did, I mean, everything that I did was good teaching practices and good management practices that I was either taught in college or taught by my administrators at the cooperative. Um, I don't think I knew how to carry out management practices well but I knew like the principles of things. Um, But the paras, before I got there, they weren't necessarily managed well. At least that was my understanding.
1: So what was that first year like?
0: It was rough. I remember um, they were upset about little things. The things they seemed to be upset about weren't major. Like they would take a bathroom break for 20 minutes and I would correct that because I needed them to be working with students, but they just saw me as young. And like they did, I didn't need to be policing that they received that as like micromanaging. And then when I got there, um, they didn't want me to change the arrangement of the room. They each had a, like a teacher sized desk, but all three of those desks took up over half the classroom. And I just felt like we need to be giving our quality space to students But that wasn't received well. And then we had a student with multiple disabilities. And so we needed quality space for her to play and do like PT exercises. And that was new for them, also. They had never worked with a student that severe. And so they were kind of resenting working with her, but she took a lot of energy. So everyone needed to work with her. So since we had this full time student that took a lot of energy, the principal, wanted to hire another halftime para, and she didn't have any experience in a school. She had a very perfectionistic personality, like even more than I do. And so she quit after two weeks because she didn't feel like she was doing a good job. Um, And she was doing fine. And she was the only one that didn't push back um, when I asked her to do something or when I asked her to do something a certain way. But I feel that being a para isn't for everyone, and it just wasn't for her. And then a month later, another full-time para quit to go to a different profession, which was true. But it was by that time it was very clear that she was just completely dissatisfied with being supervised by me. Um, we were able to find somebody to replace her, and that was great. And she stayed for the whole rest of the school year. And then after the school year, she ended up moving out of state because she just had a very free spirit personality. And then there was one para that really bullied me, and I found myself just skirting around her and trying not to make her mad when really it was my classroom and it was my name on all of the legal documents. At the end of the school year, she actually did apologize to me for bullying me, and then she resigned.
1: So what were some of the things she was doing to bully you? What did that look like?
0: Things like she wouldn't accept like schedule changes. like she only wanted to work with certain students. I think communication skills is probably a good example. I felt talked down to. um, I want to say she talked down to most people. I don't even know that she was aware she was doing it because I was surprised when she apologized to me because since it kept happening during the school year, I was surprised that she was aware of it and that she did apologize, um, which made me feel better that she was willing to own up to it and apologize but it still um still left a bad taste in my mouth from the whole school year
1: dealing with all that what what systems and routines did you put into place during the next few years to help you you know work more effectively with those parents
0: um i'd say the main thing i learned in relation to working with parents that have a strong personality or that have been doing the job longer than you are just to let them have some choice, let them have a say in the matter. Um, there are some things obviously that are non-negotiables um, that you need to have a certain way like if my name's on the door and my name's on the paperwork, I need to have it a certain way because I'm backing it. But then there's some things like the color of a bulletin board or the color of CBC cards that really don't matter and so I can say like hey, could you plan a Halloween craft and that gives them some ownership. And, um, it gives them power of a choice. I think a lot of us do that with our students. We're trying to always give our students the power of choice. Um, I even do that with my own daughter. Like, do you want an orange cup or a blue cup for supper? Because it really doesn't matter. But I think we forget that even as adults, we value having the power of choice.
1: I know we give ours at the very beginning of the year, we give them a, a Google form, a questionnaire of what what they like as far as um, do they like to do inclusion more? Do they like the pull out, or do they like working one-on-one with a student? Things like, um, do they like to go on field trips or would they rather stay at the school? So those are some other choices that, that we give our parents, but I totally agree with you that giving them choice in the matter makes them feel more as a part of it. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have as many, you know, pushback later on.
0: And I think, that I did do some of those things my first year and they seemed to not be things that those parents cared about. Um, but at that point, I felt like I had to control a lot more. And so now I definitely, I run everything through a filter of, does this matter for me to be the one in charge of making the decision? Because I think, yeah, there's a lot of things that matter, but there's a few things that, I can go ahead and turn over to a para and there are some paras that have strengths in certain areas and not in others.
1: I like that, that you said that you have to give up some control. I think that's a really hard thing, especially coming in as a brand new teacher that you think that you have to control that classroom and it really is more of a team. It's You have Mm -hmm. to look at your paras as a team and giving up some of that control is part of it. So what other tips and tricks do you have to help brand new teachers get through that first year and probably their next couple of years?
0: Main thing I can think of, um, and I don't think I was consciously aware of it at the time, but the things that I refused to budge on were legalities and educational pedagogy. And I, I tried to control a lot of other things as well, but those were definitely things that no matter how much I was pressured I did not budge on them. And those are the things that you absolutely can't budge on.
1: So looking back on your experience, what are those skills that you would recommend to a new teacher?
0: A couple of things. The first is really not a skill, but truly the number one thing that helped me my first year and got me to not hate that district and want to move back home to live with my family was having a supportive administrator. I remember her just speaking a lot of truth into me that first school year. And then by about January, I realized there was one phrase that she kept repeating over and over because I didn't truly believe it. She just kept saying, Rebecca, this is your classroom, because I would continuously give up control on things that I maybe should retain control of to the paras because I was giving, I was getting a lot of pressure. Um, but by January and the end of this first school year, I actually started acting like it. And then the other thing I'd say is you have to be flexible, but you have to have confidence in yourself. You have the degree and you were hired this for this job to teach these children. And whether you're there for one year, three years or 30 years, that is where you're supposed to be at this time.
1: We always set the expectations at the beginning of the year of what we want from our pairs or what we expect of our pairs. And I feel like that's a that's a tip that it goes a long way because they know exactly what is expected of them. And so you can always come back to that document that you had them sign at the beginning of the year that this is the things that we agreed to. These are my non-negotiables and this is how we're going to operate as a team. Having, having something like that is very important. Absolutely.
0: And that is something that I didn't know to do my first year of teaching I didn't know that I should be setting out my expectations to start the school year and so I entered it I was trying to enter it as a team but some of the things that I should have said these are my expectations just because it's effective communication I didn't because I didn't I didn't know yet that that's what I should be doing
1: I don't think any of us know I mean I don't think that that's part of the The training that you receive in college, like we said earlier, is that you know that you're going to have paraprofessionals who are working with the kids, but you don't really realize that you are the one that's going to be managing those paraprofessionals. And
0: Mm -hmm.
1: we weren't taught how to be a boss, and so I think that is that is a big piece that's missing for um, brand new teachers going into the classroom. Is you you have to learn um, the tips and the tricks and the little things to set you up for success because you're going into a you're going into an environment where these, these parents most likely have already been there and they've established, you know, like you said, it their way and the way of the teacher before them. And so winning them over is very important.
0: It definitely is. I think teaching special ed requires a lot of management skills and you're just not taught those in college. And there are a few other teaching positions besides special ed that require management, but for the most part, you're not taught management skills unless you're going to be an administrator.
1: Well, Becca, thank you so much for joining us today and for giving your insight into this topic. I really appreciate you jumping into that SPED Prep Academy Facebook group and for helping out other teachers. I know I can't manage it all myself, and I really appreciate when others step up to to give their insight because you know there there are a lot of great teachers out there, and we need to support one another.
0: Absolutely. It's a great community to be involved in. And I've already felt supported by some of the other teachers in
1: there. Thank you for your time. Have a great day. So much good information. After we finished recording, Becca and I continued to talk off air. And we both agreed that even when you have a tough first year or any year for that matter, because my tough years came a little later, it's all about survival and living and learning. Becca said that the struggle she had all came out in the wash and she came to love that district and even described it as her dream job. So the lesson here is you have to go through it to get through it. But hopefully we've given you some tips out of those hard years to be a better teacher and boss. At the end of the day, your classroom environment is your responsibility and it's your job to make sure that you are doing everything in your power to work in a positive way with the adults in your classroom. Remember, if you haven't already, I would love for you to join us in the SPED Prep Academy Facebook group. It's a safe place to talk all things special education with no judgment, and it provides you with tips and tricks to make your life as a special educator easier. Thank you for sticking with me until the end. I can tell you are just as dedicated to the field of special education as I am, and I want you to grow into an amazing educator, and I'm here for it. I'm here for you, and I'm so thrilled to be able to share all of my wisdom of being a veteran SPED teacher on the SPED Prep Academy podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast and want to share it with your friends, go ahead and screenshot an image of your favorite episode and tag me on Instagram. You can also subscribe to the show and leave a review. They give an instant boost to my ego and help others find the podcast as well. If you liked what you heard today and realized you found your SPED soulmate, please subscribe and then head over to spedprepacademy.com slash podcast to check out the show notes and sign up to be notified each time a new episode airs. Go out and have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next episode.